0: Hey
1: Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey Chargers fans, welcome to another episode of the Guilty Charge Charged podcast uh happy to be here again on a thursday we are recording this right at halftime of the cardinals and seahawks game and uh excited for this weekend i think that mock draft we did yesterday kind of uh you know charged up my batteries a little bit and, and i'm happy to be here with alex alex how are you doing today man
2: i'm doing pretty good today we've had about four days since the last uh, chargers disappointment so it's been it's been four days with no accidents it's you know all things considered it's been a you know relatively
1: quiet week for the chargers on the injury front which is always you know good news and uh you know we'll, we'll definitely get to that later on um i think we should start with our game picks this week alex has officially surpassed me i've been one and two the last few weeks and it finally caught up uh so alex has a one game lead on me and so alex what are your three picks for this weekend
2: All right, so for this weekend, I'm gonna go with the Pats over the Texans. Uh, I could see the Texans winning this game, but I think the Pats are gonna go on a little bit of a run uh, at the end here. They've been playing pretty good the last couple weeks. I'll also go Saints over the Falcons. Um, I guess we're TBD on who the starter is for that game, Uh, but for now, I'll go with the Saints, assuming it's Jameis Winston. Either way honestly, Atlanta just isn't is not consistent game to game uh, so it's tough to really gauge that one. Uh, but I and I'll also go Titans over the Ravens. Um, I think when you're playing a team like Tennessee, I think you need that uh, offensive line help and I think you need that defensive depth and those are two things that Baltimore is kind of struggling with this year. Uh, especially on the offensive line uh, which has prevented them from getting a uh, great ground game they had last year so in that one I'll take Tennessee right. over Baltimore uh, and yeah Pats over the Texans Saints over the Falcons
1: yeah the the Ravens man they just it's the all the injuries up front they uh, they miss Marshall Yonda a lot and you know yeah. Ronnie Stanley going out and now Nick Boyle so been a been a tough couple weeks in terms of injuries for the Ravens, and you know I agree with you. I, I think the Titans will win that as well. So I'm going to take the Browns over the Eagles. Um, I think this is finally the week that the Eagles lose that stranglehold on first place in the division. Um, I'm going to take the Washington football team over the Bengals, and then I'm going to take the Packers over the Colts. Which I think the Packers and Colts is probably. Uh, gonna be the game of the afternoon, or I think that might be the morning game, actually. Um, but I'm excited to see that game. You know, Aaron Rodgers getting Alan, Alan Lazard back. Uh, I know Devontae Adams is, is questionable right now, but you know, seeing him go up against the Colts defense is gonna be a lot of fun. Um, you mentioned the Texans. I, I think, you know, just pointing this out in terms of the draft, I think everybody needs to come together and, and uh, pray for some Texans wins, you know, especially if you're one of those, Fans that want the Chargers to end up with Penny Sewell, I can guarantee you if the if the Texans get ahead of the Chargers, which means the Dolphins would take uh, that pick, I think the Dolphins would definitely take Penny Sewell uh, and not be one of those teams that trade back. So uh, if you're looking for a secondary team to root for in the next couple of weeks, root for the Texans to win some games. And uh, we should get some clarity in terms of draft order in the next couple of weeks because, you know, the Washington football team, the Cowboys, they all play each other in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, the Bengals have some, some games against, uh, you know, the Dolphins as well. So we should get some clarity in terms of draft order. And obviously the Chargers, you know, depending on which side you're on, they need to take care of their own business. <laughs> Whether you're, you're a draft order fan or a, or a wins fan, you know, the upcoming couple of weeks for the, the Chargers is pretty crucial. So uh, let's get to this injury report for the Chargers. I think the biggest news, obviously, is that Joey Bosa has – Uh, cleared concussion protocol. Were you able to listen to his his, uh, press conference today at all?
2: Yeah, I was able to listen to some of it. It seemed like he was, you know, just concussions are just uh, really tough on athletes. And it seemed like he kind of went through that phase. Uh, He mentioned kind of being uh, depressed. uh, And it's just a total uh, mood killer when that happens to you. And you also want to be as safe as you can possibly be, right? Uh, Because, you know, once... A player has too many concussions, as we've seen with uh, several uh, athletes over the course of the NFL. Um, It's just it could be a career killer, as we've seen with Jordan Reed and plenty of other guys uh, around the league. So, uh, you know, I think Bosa was totally right to kind of uh, be concerned and uh, I'm happy that the team took caution.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, missing two weeks is becoming a little more common with concussions. Um, Ali Marpet for the Buccaneers was kind of going through the same thing, but, you know, I think there's still this kind of stigma surrounding concussions that a lot of people don't understand really how bad they are. And, uh, I had five from, from football in, in middle school and high school. They are no fun. My last one kind of left me in my, I had to be shut in my room for like three weeks. So. You know, I know firsthand how tough they can be. And I, and I think Joey really talking about that kind of issue and, and how it was affecting his mental health was huge. I think, you know, this stigmatism of, of mental health and how important it is, is becoming more common. And I think, uh, having professional athletes like Joey uh, speak out about it is always, is always good news. Um, the other big news was that Chris Harris has been uh, designated to return off of injured reserve, as well as Osmar Bilal, which will should help in terms of special teams. Um, but the Chris Harris one is interesting. I don't know. I don't think he's going to play next week. I think he might play the week after that. You know, we kind of saw the pattern that the Chargers like to follow in terms of injuries. While well, they'll do, they'll do have him do uh, individual drills this week have some limited practices next week. And then the week after that, they'll ramp him up into full practices. And uh, obviously Chris Harris returning would help this secondary a lot.
2: Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, Chris Harris is such a big deal um, and he's been really what they missed in the secondary because then, you know, you have to slot over Michael Davis um, who's been better, but I, I still don't trust with the full CB2 role. And then you add in the fact that they tried to Desmond King, So there's been shifting there. So getting Chris Harris back to play sort of a both CB2 and slot uh, to some extent would be so helpful for this team. Um, It takes some of the pressure off of Michael Davis so he can go back to uh, kind of how he was playing earlier in the season prior to the Harris injury. So, uh, you know, it's big that they activated the 21 day window. So hopefully he's back next week. That's kind of optimistic, but definitely probably in two weeks from now. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's still a lot of fans who are like, Oh, you should be shut down for the rest of
1: the season. It's like players want to play. Players need to get paid. You know, so much of their contracts are not guaranteed. And so, uh, you know, you got to earn some money through incentives. And I think Chris Harris is, is 100% going to come back later in the year. Same with Austin Eckler, uh, who probably is going to be back in, you know, in a limited fashion in two weeks. So we can maybe see him play the last three or four games. Um, which would be awesome as well. Um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting, which I hadn't even paid attention to, I don't know if it was ever really talked about. Brandon Faceon, um, who is Casey Hayward and Michael Davis's primary backup, is still on the COVID list, um, which is why we've been seeing Quentin Meeks uh, be elevated from the practice squad the last couple weeks. Uh, and Casey Hayward had a limited practice today. I don't know what's going on there. He's listed with an ankle injury. Uh, if Hayward can't go and Brandon Faison you know, is not able to get off the COVID list, then we could be looking at Quentin Meeks being a starter, which would obviously not be a good thing for a team going up against a winless Jets uh, organization.
2: Um, it I guess starting Quentin Meeks would be uh, symbolic of what Chargers Jets would really be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wasn't happy with Quentin Meeks last week, jumping offside and, Costing the Chargers another four points um, when he uh, jumped outside on that field goal, and then they Dolphins drive down the extra yeah, 20 yards. So and bad. Score a touchdown. But um, yeah, so <laughs> it's one thing for Quinton Meeks' error on special teams, um, it's bad for Quinton Meeks' errors the whole game. So I, I ultimately think Casey will play. Uh, it doesn't seem like this is something that's too serious, or at least that hasn't been communicated that way. Um, so. I would say he plays. I don't think we have to go to the worst uh, scenario yet with you know potentially Brandon Faison and him out, but we'll see how that uh, develops over the course of the next couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last one that I want to talk about here is
1: Tyrod Taylor. He has been a DNP, did not practice the last couple of days with, and he's listed with a rib injury again. So um, no one's really said anything about that. You know, unfortunately, he is the backup quarterback, so I don't know if we're going to get an update there. But, you know, him popping back up on the injury report, I just feel bad for him more than anything else. You know, it just seems like this rib injury is just not something that he can fully get over this year.
2: Yeah, um, I wonder what it, re- yeah, it might just be, you know, pain uh, from, you know, the first initial rib injury. I don't rem. I I mean, I guess he took a little bit of a hit on the two-point conversion in the Raiders game, uh, but it wasn't like a a big hit or something. Um, So it's it's probably honestly just lingering pain. Um, You know, it's unfortunate if he can't go, but this team has put a lot of confidence uh, in Easton Stick as the backup, uh, (laughs) which I don't necessarily share. (laughs) <laughs> um, but you know, uh, it's, it's just been that way for Tyrod all season, unfortunately. Uh, so, I mean, this team is, is probably just going to roll with Herbert. Um, and hopefully if they roll with Herbert, he, he could take the hits and we don't get any, uh, unnecessary snaps from, uh, any other potential quarterbacks. <laughs> Yeah, I
1: uh, I'm I do not want to see any Easton Stick experiments this week, especially not two <laughs> plays in a row. <laughs> yeah. Um so let's move on to the Jets a little bit. I think obviously, you know, you got to start with the quarterback situation. Uh Sam Darnold is out. He has not practiced in the last couple weeks and um uh, they there was a tweet that I saw that said that they've kind of shifted gears where they're not going to rush him back. They're going to take their time and and uh aka they're tanking. So uh, Joe Flacco is going to get the start. Uh, there was some nice foreshadowing from Fernando Ramirez saying that in one of his last starts in Denver, Joe Flacco beat the Chargers in Los Angeles um, thanks to Cortland Sutton kind of ripping our hearts out. Other than that, really it's you know, it's some role players. Mikai Beckton should make his return to uh, into return to the field. He's been a full participant. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun seeing him go up against Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and as well as in Jenna Wosu. Frank Gore was a late ad. It says not injury related, but he did not practice today. So, um, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I know Frank Gore, obviously he's like 38 years old, but you know, he's, he's still their best running back. And so if he doesn't play, I think, uh, that definitely helps the chargers very poor run defense and at least in a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think Frank Gore not playing would help. Um, I don't know if it helps that much because the Jets probably aren't going to get anything off the ground, especially <laughs> with, with no Le'Veon Bell anymore. Um, I, I think that that's kind of... I, I just don't think they're going to be able to establish much of a run game. Granted, if there was one game where Frank Gore was going to have you know, 70 yards and have a touchdown, it would be this one. Uh, Against the Chargers, unfortunately, Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately. yeah. (laughs) But um, I think Flacco is an interesting kind of variable because he sort of found himself uh, a little bit last week in that game against the Patriots through for seventy-two percent completion, hundred twenty-eight passer rating, uh, three touchdowns, one pick. Um, That you know the Chargers didn't play well against him last year uh, when he was with the Broncos, as you just mentioned. Uh, It's maybe it would be a little less concerning for me if they were playing Darnold, uh, just cause Darnold has like a, a predisposition to th- you know, turning over the ball a lot. Whereas Flacco is, is a bit more yeah. protective of the football, um, a little less reckless. And he's also not quite a game manager, right? He, as we saw in that jet, uh, jets Patriots game, he can air it out, uh, whether it's to Rashad Perriman, uh, someone else on the, you know, Jets offense. Uh, so, I don't really feel confident in this game in terms of the quarterback position, just because it's not Darnold playing. Um, I I think Flacco Flacco could do some things and I I don't think it's going to be, you know, um, an amazing game for him, probably not as good as the Patriots game, but with this Chargers defense, it's like you really only need a couple defensive lapses where maybe they aren't playing as well in certain throws and, um, that's what can beat them. I mean, Tua Tunga Maloa, you know, had some awesome throws last week, but he didn't really play amazing. It was just, you know, hey, you know, we're going to beat you on a couple throws and then probably run it the rest of the game because you guys can't stop the run. Um, yeah, could Joe Flacco do the same thing? I don't, kn- I don't think so because I don't, I don't think the Jets <laughs> have the same offensive line and and same running back uh, situation. Frank Gore is uh, a little bit older than uh, Salvan Ahmed. But
1: just a little um, bit,
2: just a, a, <laughs> a twinge. Uh, but I don't think they're going to establish the ground game. But I, I think there are ways to kind of work around that for the Jets and just hope defensively with Joey back. Uh, they can get pressure and they can you know find ways to rattle Joe Flacco. And uh, of course, we're at the point in the season where we're talking about getting enough pressure on Joe Flacco. <laughs> um this is where we are, aren't we? Um, but yeah, man, no i i I do feel confident in the game. i do I do think the Chargers will win this game and finally get that win. Um, but I don't know. I don't feel comfortable with Joe Flacco and even if the Jets are tanking, I don't know. i I just don't see this being a super good matchup for them at the quarterback position.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's spot on. I think this is is very similar to how I feel about or how I felt about the Jaguars game where that, you know, the Jaguars had enough offensive talent to maybe keep it a little more interesting than than people thought. Vegas is giving the Chargers, I think, nine and a half or maybe eight and a half points right now. So um it's definitely a game that the Chargers should win. And really, I think the the biggest injury news for the Jets is that they put they uh they put Brian Poole, their starting nickel corner, on injury reserve due to a shoulder injury, and they cut uh what's his name Pierre Desir on Monday. So their their cornerback room is is thin as is, and you know I think this is a good spot for Justin Herbert uh to kind of make up some ground. I I, I don't want to say he had a rough game. It was it was just kind of an average game last week. He still counted for the three touchdowns, obviously, but um, yeah, I think this, this game for Justin should be a much easier matchup given the state of the Jets secondary. But like you mentioned, you know, Joe Flacco, he's certainly capable of putting up numbers on occasion. And and the Patriots defense is certainly much better, at least in the secondary than what the chargers currently have. So uh, we'll see. He's been very up and down in his career. And so, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if this is kind of the game that the Chargers finally figure out how to create some turnovers. They should have had two or three last week, but uh, suddenly couldn't catch. So uh, this could be a game where the Chargers defense comes up with a few turnovers. It could also be a game in which Joe Flacco airs it out and and, and makes the Chargers lack of depth in the secondary very, very obvious given their offensive weapons
2: yeah um you mentioned justin herbert uh kind of having pressure on him uh in this game given the jet secondary i honestly think justin herbert has pressure on him in this game given the state of his head um i, like, <laughs> I mean that's a it's, it's a big storyline coming into this one you know he's, he's done for whatever it is 19 touchdowns and six picks uh <laughs> you know before the haircut so he's going to be judged pre-haircut and post-haircut uh in his rookie campaign so it's It's going to be a big game for him here. Um, Yeah, I do think Justin Herbert will have a much easier time throwing the ball. Uh, I hope he connects uh, on Jalen Guyton with maybe a big touchdown. Uh, I think that can kind of get the offense going again. Obviously, he's going to link up with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Um, For this game with Herbert, I'd just like to see him uh, do what he was doing. Uh, Really... I would say, through the Broncos game, which is uh, getting all those guys uh, involved, whether it's, you know, Donald Parham, Jalen Guyton, uh, you know, it's kind of slid off a bit on the last couple weeks where, you know, he might kind of just be going to, you know, some combination of Keenan, Mike, and uh, Hunter Henry for most of the game. But uh, I'd like to see a little bit more variety because I think that was actually kind of what favor Herbert uh, a bit in those last couple of weeks, so I'd like for to sure. see uh, Parham and Guyton, uh, some of those other guys, uh, get involved if they can. Um, hopefully we don't give another 23 touches to Kalen Bellage, but uh, it's tough because I definitely see why they want to run on the Jets, and there's definitely a better argument to be made for running on the Jets than the Dolphins. Yes. But you got to let Herbert air it out in this one, I think, uh, just because he's at home, uh, going to be decent weather. Just let him air it out, and obviously give some touches to Belange, but not 20 touches. I do not want to see 20 plus touches for any Chargers running back that is not named Austin Eckler, unless the Chargers get up like 28 points or something in this one. <laughs> um, yeah, bye-bye. if they're leading, then... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, but barring that, um, I I really don't want to see them lean on Balaj. And as as I mentioned last podcast, you know, it's a little unfair to Balaj for him to have this much responsibility, you know, as a practice squad running back. And he has to pick up all these blocking schemes and take all this responsibility. Um, You know, so just let Herbert air it out uh, and see what he can do. Uh, also go to Balage and go to Troy May Pope and go to Josh Kelly when you need to. Um, but I definitely want to see more of an emphasis on uh, Herbert establishing the tone in the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think that's spot on. I think for me, you know, that was going to be like the first key of my key of the game to me is, is how does this offense bounce back? Because, you know, we saw in, in the Jacksonville game and then in the Denver game and in, in the Raiders game, it was kind of trending towards being a little more pass happy and that's how it should be honestly you know you throw to set up the run in in the modern age of football you don't run to set up the throw unfortunately that that's just kind of the way that the league is is trending and you know Warren Sharp posted this great video that you know the first down passes for Justin Herbert were averaging like 8 yards in an attempt and, and had a crazy high success rate against Miami but their runs on first down were like two and a half yards per carry and just were not it was not getting the job done and so when you're playing a team like the Jets when you're playing a team like the Dolphins excuse me who who is hyper aggressive you can't set up your rookie quarterback in third and long situations because that's setting him up to fail and that's ultimately what happened so to me this week you got to get you got to give Herbert a little more responsibility I would love to see them do more RPOs this week They only ran uh, like three or four that Justin actually threw last week, and I think they should be doing that way more often because it's such a good way to keep defenses honest, and that that opens up things for the running game. It makes things easier for the running game later on in the game if you're doing those those plays more often. So, you know, this offense and the game plan, the game plan specifically, needs to open up more often and, and you know be more creative in the passing game if they really want to run the ball effectively cuz i think if you're just you know running up the middle all these times when the chargers strong suit up front is not they don't have a great interior offensive line so i know kaleen Balaj is is 62 230 but you know they're not generating a ton of push and so the yards that they are getting is just because Balage is big and so to me just running it up the middle like they were last week is is not a smart game plan and so if if they <laughs> If they really want to beat the Jets, which I can't believe this is a, is even a thing, they have to let Justin Herbert cook. And, and I'm kind of getting sick of that that saying now, but it's kind of overkill. But it really is true. I think Justin Herbert has to throw the ball 35, 40 times for them to be competitive in games. And last week he only had 30. So you know this this game plan needs to go back to the direction that it was before the Dolphins game.
2: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And. <laughs> I can't believe we're saying that Justin Herbert has to throw 40 times to beat the Jets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> imagining just telling someone that before the season uh, was absurd. But um, no, I, I totally agree. I think they got to air it out. Um, in terms of some other things I'd like to see in this game, oh, um, I'd really just like to see the defense ha- have a good game <laughs> like in, in terms of the secondary um, yeah. The secondary did okay last week. They didn't really have many chances to screw it up because Salvan Ahmed was just running like the whole second half. Um, but it, this is as easy a game as you're gonna get against basically what Prashad Paraman and I, I guess Mims. Like <laughs> this is uh, as easy a receiving matchup as you'll get. So plus Joe Flacco is throwing. Uh, so it's, um, y- you just have to nail this one if you're the secondary, obviously if you're the defensive line, uh, it's gotta be, uh, you know, obviously Bosa being back, Ingram. So we'll see that tandem and see if Ingram can finally register a sack on the season. Um uh, I would love to see that just, uh, for him. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, we've been kind of screaming it on this podcast, but more on WOSU. Um, you know, he's kind of been MIA the last couple games and, you know, as while Bosa being out has been a factor, uh, it's, it's just tough, uh, when, you know, you're not putting in Wosu on the field and he's kind of proven to be better than Ingram this year. Um, so it, it's, it's tough that they're not putting him out there. Um, but yeah, key is obviously the run game. Uh, even though they're, you know, guarding Frank Gore, um, and and last thing I'll say regarding defense, uh, they they got to figure out what's going on with the linebackers because Denzel Perryman, uh, as much as I love him, should not be the best linebacker on the team uh, from <laughs> no. week to week consistently. Uh, I mean, he's an awesome uh, veteran, awesome depth piece. Uh, but I feel like this is the game where you need to see more from Kaiser White. You need to see yeah. more from Kenneth Murray. Um, and it's just not going to work out, I think, in the long term if you have to see Denzel Perriman carry this linebacker group week after week after week. And I, I'd, li- I'd like to see those uh, young guys in the linebacker corps get more comfortable towards the end of the season uh, and get on a, a bit of a run. And then, obviously, you add back uh, Drew Tranquil next year and uh, any other pieces that they do to uh, firm, at, uh, firm up that second level. So that's that's just what I want to see in this game from a defensive uh, perspective.
1: Yeah, I think the linebacker thing is spot on. Gus Bradley mentioned today that he they feel like Kenneth Murray is maybe thinking a little too much, which I can definitely, uh, you know, it, it lines up on tape. And, and you know, unfortunately for for him, I just think that they might be giving him a little too much in terms of being the play caller. And in terms of being, uh, you know, the guy who has to get everybody lined up correctly. And so I think, you know, if you give Denzel Perryman some more snaps, make him the play caller and just let Kenneth, you know, do his thing and roam around. I think that would, that would benefit everybody involved And you know, this is, they should have the linebackers should have had two interceptions last week. Cause Denzel Perryman dropped one and Kenneth Murray dropped one, had one go right through his hands. So, you know, it's been a while since we've seen Kenneth Murray really, you know, have some splash plays. I feel like the last time he really made his presence felt was in New Orleans when he had that fourth down stop. So it's been a, it's, he's definitely hit his rookie wall, which is to be expected. It happens to everyone. Um, But I, you're right. I think this is a much needed game for Kenneth and Kaiser white, who uh Gus, Gus Bradley said that they feel like Kaiser is kind of settling into into his role and learning and, And, you know, he hasn't been getting beaten coverage as much, which has been nice to see. So you're right. Definitely a good spot for uh, for this linebacker group to kind of bounce back. And, you know, the 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 safeties, Nasir Adderley and Rayshon Jenkins, one of them has to make a play. I just think, you know, both of them have similar issues with taking good angles and tackling. I think Nasir's uh, are obviously more. Um, more noticeable because he is the free safety. But I think both of these guys, uh, you know, Joe, Joe Flacco loves to take shots deep and he loves to show off that arm. So uh, I think one of those guys probably has to get an interception this week or, you know, some pass breakups and, and make their presence felt as well.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, when, you, when we talk about this year, it's just been tough this season because we, we want to see him be good. Uh, we want to see him be great. Uh, it it just hasn't Panned out and he was everyone's favorite uh, Rookie coming into the year um, I guess technically second year But really really rookie Coming into this pandemic year so Definitely just with him it's, it's He kind of does um, Play the ball relatively Well it's just like tightening up the Angles is just so important uh, right. And it, You know unless you do that It's just so tough to play uh, Free safety so um, I, you know, we'll see if they ever decide to move around things. I don't think they will barring an injury. Um, but yeah, so I, I definitely think I'd love to see Nasir and Rayshon just have one really great game <laughs> and Yeah. just please beat the Jets, please. <laughs> I'm just asking you to beat the Jets. You can go three and 13, just, just finish this one, man. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I was uh, writing an article for uh, the LAFB network today, and and I decided to revisit the uh, – for some reason unknown to myself, I decided to revisit the 2016 Browns game. And uh, the circumstances of that game and this game with the Jets are very, very similar. Um, in that game, they were on a three-game losing streak. The Chargers currently on a three-game losing streak. You know, the coach was on a hot seat. The coach is currently on a hot seat. So – there's a, there were a uh, there are a lot of similarities between those two situations. Obviously, the 2016 game with the Browns was week 14. Yeah, no week 15. So that one was a little different. But um, I, I'm hoping that this this is not a repeat situation for this team because um, you know Daniel Popper mentioned in his Q and A that if this team loses to the Jets, then I think uh, Anthony Lynn's job is uh, all but done for.
2: Um, I would hope so. If they lose, the defense. <laughs> I, I, I still feel like there's this aroma in the air, or I guess I should say stench, uh, in the air of, you know, running it back because you know Lynn Telesco did get Herbert. Um, I would hope I'm wrong, and I, I hope they do change up the coaching in the off season, but I just don't. Feel like Anthony Lynn's in the hot seat right now, and I feel like we haven't heard a lot about it. Um, I, I feel like if there was some kind of real smoke behind that one, that we that we kind of would have heard about it. I mean, you know, ESPN Week was it Week Six? I think did their whole um, you know coaches hot seat, and Anthony Lynn was the Chargers were one and four at the time. And there there was really nothing on, you know, Anthony Lynn being on the hot seat at the time. And, you know, he was viewed as kind of not close uh, to the hot seat by ESPN reporters. Maybe that's changed. Um, but we haven't really heard a lot of smoke behind it. And obviously, I know uh, a lot of people do want him fire. Uh, but I don't know if I'm fully confident that that's really going to happen, uh, especially if there is some kind of uh, second half of the season run. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think that a firing is likely
1: at this point, you know, barring a like Jets blowout this week. I think that would kind yeah. of be the <laughs> the last straw. But, you know, this team is getting healthy at quote unquote the right time, right? You know, Trey Turner came back. Brian Belager came back. Joey Bosa is healthy. So, you know, Chris Harris is coming back. Austin Eckler is coming back. And while I don't think it's likely, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see this team rattle off, you know, three, four wins in the next couple of weeks. And uh I don't want to say save their season because they're not going to the playoffs. But, no. you know, I think this team certainly has the talent to get to six and ten at this point. And, uh, and that definitely would not surprise me if that were the case. So um definitely remains to be seen. Definitely a lot of season to play out. And I know a lot of Chargers fans, including myself, want to see some changes made. Um, I think maybe we could get a defensive coordinator change uh, in the off season. I, I think that probably is the one um, and the special teams, which I was going to mention them, but you know, in terms of winning this game, if the special teams could just have like one or two penalties and like not destroy the game, like that would be fantastic. <laughs> but you know, this special teams is, unit is struggling in a bad way right now. So let's get to our predictions for this game. Uh, Alex, I guess, you know, if you want to give, like, a confidence meter and then, like, your prediction, uh, let's start with those two things and then kind of see how that conversation goes. (laughs)
2: Um, So, I guess prediction, I would say Chargers, uh, 30, Jets, 17. Um, Confidence meter, 65%. Um, Okay. <laughs> I'm, I do think they'll win the game. I, I think it's more a question of margin. Are they going to get into kind of like a, the the style of game that the Patriots got into with the Jets, where it's kind of like back and forth affair till the end? If they get into that, um, then I don't feel as confident just because we've right. <laughs> seen week after week of the Chargers, uh, not doing well in those kind of games. So uh, that would concern me. I don't think the Jets have enough offensive firepower to score in this one and the Chargers are at least playing with a lot of their key defensive pieces as we talked about with the the Patriots the Patriots have missed you know, so many uh, guys uh, due to COVID and opting out before the year um, so I think that that has caused them some defensive trouble this year so I, I think the Chargers will be better as a unit against the Jets than the Patriots were um, but I I do have some concerns in this game if Joe Flacco gets a little bit hot and just makes the throws he needs to make. Um, uh, I'm less concerned with Frank Gore, but I also wasn't concerned with Salvin (laughs) Ahmed going into the Dolphins game. And Salvin Ahmed decided to have a coming out party. So it's... I I don't think the Jets offense will do a lot, but they don't necessarily need to do it ton, I think, to remain competitive. Uh, they weren't awesome against the Patriots in a lot of ways, but still, you know, you hit a deep ball to Bershad Perriman, you hit a deep ball uh, to some of the other receivers, and, you know, it, it's about uh, limiting the big play in this one, because I don't think the Jets are going to put together consistent drive after consistent drive after consistent drive, but what they can do is, uh, especially what Joe Flacco has shown to do uh, at some parts of his career, uh, is hit that one big play that makes it a different game right so that that's what concerns me more uh, than the overall defense the Chargers offense um, they struggled last week if if you don't roll in this one then I guess it's just never going to come together this year um, but you know this this is an offense in need of a bounce back game from how sloppy last week was both with Uh, Herbert and the receivers not getting separation. If you can't get separation on a team that just cut Pierre sear, there's lingering issues (laughs) that we have to talk (laughs) about. Um, So yeah, the offense should, under no circumstances, I think in this game, score less than 25 points. Like you, you have to uh, at at the very least put up. I I think four touchdowns worth of points and and show that you can get uh, those points on the board. Whether it's you know uh, Justin Herbert, the running game, whatever we want to do, the offense has to put up points in this game uh, to rebound from last week, and the fact that they're playing the Jets. <laughs> um, so that's just kind of my take
1: on that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think you know this team really needs to bounce back offensively, and uh, I think it's a good spot for them. But then again, you know they've been in some good spots recently, and, and it hasn't worked out quite as well as we would hoped. Um, I think they should be able to get to 30. I really do. You know, I, the Jets secondary is just a mess right now. And, and really outside of, um, what's his name, uh, Taylor Mays, they don't really have any positive playmakers back there. So I, I just think that Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, they're in a really good spot this week. It's just a matter of do the coaches trust Justin Herbert to, you know, push the ball down the field and, and make some plays this week? Or is it going to be a run-oriented offense again? Which – you know, I think it would be a huge mistake this week. And, um, I think you're spot on about the deep ball. I think Prashad Perryman and Denzel Mims, like that's the one thing that I know that they can do is stress the field and, and, you know, get past the defense. So, you know, we saw Casey Hayward struggle a little bit with, uh, Nelson Aguilar and, uh, Hunter Renfro that obviously cannot be the case this week if they're going to win. So I agree on your, uh, Confidence meter as well. I feel like in the 60, 60, 60 to 65% uh, range as well. Um, in my LAFB article, I, I predicted 31 to 23. So I think that the Chargers will cover um, the uh, 8.5. Wait, would that be covering? No, that wouldn't be covering. No. Uh, math is hard, you guys. I'm smart. I promise. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I think the Chargers should win relatively easily. I don't think that this is going to be a multiple touchdown win game. I could certainly see it happening. Um, But, you know, I just don't know if I have enough confidence in the Chargers secondary to, uh you know, keep Joe Flacco and company uh, at bay. I, th- I think, you know, if, if there is a game for this team to figure it out and, and get multiple turnovers and hold a team under 20, it's this one, right? You know, the Jets yeah. offense under Joe Flacco is just, it's not great. They don't have enough consistency to, you know, uh, have long sustained drives. If they're going to beat you or make it interesting, it's through the deep ball, and that's almost it. So, you know, this is a get right game for both sides. And, uh, I think the chargers will ultimately come out on top. Alex, any
2: other thoughts before we wrap up today's show? So, yeah, when it comes to, uh, the spread, I'm going to say that the chargers will win by 13, But I'm going to hedge that by betting on Jets plus nine um, (laughs) real dollars. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. I need to see this team really finish a team first. So we'll see what happens there. Um, But confidence interval in the Jets, relatively high. Confidence interval in Justin Herbert. uh, And his haircuts, zero (laughs) percent.
1: so bad man i i was i was talking to brooke about his haircut and it would have been one thing if he went to an actual like legit barber and like had it done the fact that he got his hair cut by the strength and conditioning coach it just (laughs) it it was a poor decision and uh yeah i guess i shouldn't expect anything less because you know he doesn't really care about how he looks and you know that's cool with me i don't care about how he looks either as long as he's out there balling out you know, I could care less about his haircut, and you know we just had Philip Rivers for 15 years, and he never cared about his haircut, and wore bolo ties to press conferences from from time to time. So <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Chargers quarterbacks just don't care how they look, and and that's fine with me.
2: Yeah, uh, they don't care about how they look, but you know, we have other players in the team that look pretty pretty good, and. Don't get their haircut by the strength and conditioning coat. So, <laughs> you know, I, I did think it was funny that Trey Turner said he was, uh, a quote cool on that one when it came to yeah. a haircut from John Lott, uh, who is the human embodiment of a thumb. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> I like from uh, Spy Kids, <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, so. We had to get our Justin Herbert hair conversation in uh, at some point in this pod. But, uh, yeah, definitely think that Justin Herbert will need to overcome that this week. Uh, you got to keep yourself in the rookie of the year race. Uh, Keep yourself in the lead. uh, And don't let this haircut bring you down. Yeah, his I mean, not that it matters to him, but
1: uh, his, his average yards per game has dipped under 300. So shame on him. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> but uh, definitely needs to get that back up. If you, if you, uh, well, to, it's it's uh, kind of
2: shame on shame for you yes. giving it twenty three times to Caleb <laughs> so Yes,
1: absolutely. Um,
2: I I don't totally blame Justin Herbert for that, other than the the pick to Xavier Howard. But it, uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely want to see him. You know, sling the ball. Let's get a four hundred yard game, five touchdowns. Huh. Let's let's do the thing.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, if it were me, listen, I don't know anything about coaching the NFL. I, I, I've i been coaching middle school football for a couple of years, but uh, and it, football to me is simple. You let your best and any sport for that matter. You let your best player, you put him in a position to succeed or her, depending on the sport. And, uh, you know, you just you let him roll. And, and to me, like if I'm coaching the Chargers right now, I'm letting Justin Herbert take a ton of d- deep shots. I'm letting him do a lot of RPOs, make it a little more simple. You don't need to do all these max protect situations and get him out in space. Let him use his legs a little bit more. And I just think the chargers coaching staff is making it a little too complicated the last couple of weeks. So uh, I just think simplify it a little bit more. Let Justin do his thing. Let him throw 35, 40, 45 times a game if you have to. And I think that's the recipe for success for this team. And hopefully they figured out and, and can win some games. I, I know that I would love if they got Panay Sewell, at the top of the draft, but ultimately, I think it's more important for this team to get some positive momentum going into next year. And you know, you're we're recording this right during Thursday night football, right? And and the Arizona Cardinals won four of their last five games last year, and clearly have taken that momentum into this season. They're six and three right now. So to me, that's kind of what the Chargers should be looking for. I, I'm not necessarily saying that they have to you know, get back to 500 or anything like that. And obviously that would be a, a tough task, but just get some wins, get some positive momentum and take that into next season. And I think ultimately that would be considered a win for where they're at right now.
2: Yeah. And you can wind up at the eighth or ninth pick and take my guy, Caleb Farley. I mean, there you, you, can go. <laughs> you can still do it. So I'm going to, you know, last year was the season of Simmons propaganda uh, and it didn't work out. Uh, unfortunately, or well, fortunately, because they got Herbert. Uh, But from my narrative, it didn't work out. So I have to find a new player once we figure out the Chargers official draft position. Uh, (laughs) And I will be writing propaganda specifically about that one player. So we'll have to figure out who that is this year. So uh, once week 17 rolls around, might have a clearer picture on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So that'll do it for us today, guys. Make sure and check out our mock draft video on YouTube. If you haven't already, uh, we did also upload the audio uh, on the podcast platforms as well. So definitely a good chance for you guys to kind of hear about some of the prospects that we are liking right now. Um, and you know, I know that's kind of the talk of the town right now. So there, you know, we talked about like 30 or 40 prospects in that, in that segment. So definitely check that out. Um, That'll do it. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you guys next time.
0: See ya. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters, the more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. For the
1: ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies
0: backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call.